Welcome into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki. Happy and proud to invite Sean Kane onto the show, hopefully permanently, to talk Penn State football. Today we're going to be talking about the Combine, what the numbers mean, what we see in the future for some eight Penn State players that went to the Combine this weekend and where they uh, will flourish. Before we do that, though, we got to give yourself a little bit of a trivia question. Trivia question today, which Penn State quarterback with at least 100 pass attempts has the best completion percentage? I will let you know after the break. Stay with us. Got a lot to talk about. Sean Clifford, Drew Aller, quarterback competition, offensive line play moving forward, recruiting news. Here we go, everybody. Let's do this thing. Welcome on into Hardcore Penn State Football. This is Corey Lestoki, and I am proud and excited and thrilled to introduce um, potentially newest member of Hardcore Penn State Football, Sean Kane. Sean, welcome in. I'm really excited to have you on today and hopefully for the uh, extended future uh, to talk Penn State Football. I mean, it's been something that I have thought about for a long time and how I can maybe change the direction of the podcast and I hope that you can uh, come on to the show and not just provide some obviously good content and, and insight into Penn State football but also hopefully keep me on track and organize and putting out episodes more often than I would like to so not only are you in charge of helping produce content but you're also now in charge of helping me stay on track so congratulations for that role oh well thank you I am very excited for both roles um yeah, I love talking about Penn State football. I've been a Penn State football fan my whole life, so this is a really exciting opportunity for me. Yeah, and I mean, I when's the last Penn State football game you've been to, Sean? Well, the Illinois game. <laughs> okay. okay, so you were at you were at that, and already people are not going to like you because you brought up the Illinois game in like the first two minutes, the two minutes of your uh, introduction here. Well, that's more recent than me. Um, just quick thought: Have you thought about? coming down for the Auburn game is that is that on the possibilities for you yeah so um I'm at this point I'm not planning on going to the Auburn game I think I'll probably just be going to home games this year I'm sure you'll be going to that game though yeah that one's kind of an easy one for me to go to so I, I think I'm gonna manage to go to that one I mean unless I mean even if the tickets are outrageous I'll probably end up going I think a couple of our you know people you know might be coming down for that one too so yeah, I mean, it'll, it'll be a fun one. Um, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. But 
I don't think I'm going to probably make it to a home game uh, this upcoming year, um, but hopefully next extended future I'll be closer to Pennsylvania, so hopefully that should be an easier one for us. Well, let's get into the show. Um, just kind of the things we're going to talk about today. Obviously, Sean coming onto the show is, is big news, um, but also eight Penn State players currently competing in, or I guess competing is the right word, and but being a part of the NFL Combine right now, and as of right now, I believe Jordan Stout and Trey Castro-Fields and Jaquan Brisk are still kind of going through the measurables uh, this Sunday afternoon as we're recording. Um, but a couple of the other guys already kind of wrapped up their weekend, so we'll talk about those guys. Some Penn State recruiting updates. You know how we kind of do Penn State recruiting updates here. Like, we can kind of lay out a little bit, but if you are recruiting, you know, psycho, like some people, including maybe Sean, then there's also better places for that as well. So... We'll, we'll, you know, we'll highlight a few things, but that's kind of how we do things around here. And then kind of the question that I wanted to talk with Sean with first, because I think this is probably the biggest question going into the spring. Um, right now, Penn State's on spring break, so they will be starting spring ball pretty much when I, about when I get back. So uh, it's right around the corner, and the biggest question is going to be, Sean Clifford, is he going to be the starter? Is there any way he can't be the starter? So we'll talk about that. Maybe Christian Vey or Drew Aller get in there. Um, we'll see. Uh, the answer to the trivia question um, that hasn't been recorded yet because I haven't got to that part, but the answer to the trivia question, the question was, which Penn State quarterback with a minimum of 100 pass attempts has the best completion percentage ever in the Penn State history? It's actually Sean Clifford with 60.4% of the uh, of his passes completed. So didn't expect that to be one that you would necessarily think of, but it was. So let's start off, Sean, by talking about the Combine and probably maybe not the guy who's going to maybe go first for Penn State, but maybe probably the most important player for Penn State last season, and that was Jahan Dotson, wide receiver. Um, he ran really well. I thought he ran faster than I really thought he was going to run. Um, and that was a 4-4-3-40. It was the 11th fastest 40 time. And it was a year where there was a lot of really fast times. And I want to say Chris Godwin ran 4.5, so a little bit faster than Chris Godwin. His vertical was also 11th best, and his cone drill was 10th best for the receivers. Um, I think he made money this weekend because he was sub 4.5. I feel like that's always, as long as you're sub 4.5, you know, you're in a good spot. What are your thoughts on, on his day and, and how he you know translates to the NFL? Yeah, um, well, the thing with Dotson is um, I wish he was a little taller uh, because it's measurably, like, um, you know, the 40 was good. Um, like you said, though, in a draft with a lot of uh, fast receivers, I worry that he could get lost in the shuffle at the end of that first round. Um, but the pro day is still coming, and he has fantastic film. So that's going to go a long way. And if you watch him, when, and you turn the film on, he has uh, tremendous football speed. And there's a difference between being able to run on a track, which he still did a decent job at, and running on the football field. Yeah, I don't – yeah, and I think that game speed is something that's really important, right? Just because you can run really fast without pads and a helmet on, but he seems like he's a 4-5, four, 4-4 four, four guy on film, which is pretty important. Um, because again, you're just running in shorts and a t-shirt is one thing, but he's, he's put it on film over and over again against NFL talent. 
um, in the Big Ten. So I think he maybe didn't have a lot to prove, but I think he improved his stock nonetheless. I, you're right. There are a lot of good receivers, and there was a lot of good receivers last year too. So, you know, I don't think he's going to go before, you know, Chris Olave, but I think he is a guy who could maybe slip into the second round and – and I don't see him really going in the first round, but a guy who maybe slips into the second round, but is somebody that everyone's like, wow, how did we miss this guy? Um, and, and there's a lot of people, well, I shouldn't say a lot of people, but there are some people that you could argue maybe shouldn't have left Penn State early or, or, or have gone, but I think Jahan Dotson had kind of solidified himself as a guy that was going to go and, and made you know the most of his opportunities when he was at Penn State. Most of the guys except for maybe one or two that went to the combine. We could probably lump in that book, but we'll get to those guys um, in, a, in a little bit. So Jahan Dotson, really good measurables, really good um, cone drill, which I think is almost as important as the 40 for a receiver. Cone drill isn't talked, to, talked enough, enough, enough about. Um, but Jahan Dotson, a guy who Penn State's really going to miss. When you start looking at next year, how they're going to move on. If you get the same kind of play out of Sean Clifford, which I know Penn State fans don't want to hear, but if you get the same play out of Sean Clifford and you don't have Jahan Dotson, I mean, there are probably two or three games that if they didn't have Dotson, they might even lose. So I, finding a replacement for him is going to be a big deal. Yeah, um, and I think Parker Washington's going to be able to carry the torch. Um but nothing's a guarantee, and Jahan Dotson's probably top three or four all-time at Penn State. Uh, some people would argue he's the best. Um, so it's going to be, you don't replace a guy like him. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, how Parker Washington uh, fills those shoes. I mean, so would you take, would you say Jahan Dotson had a better career at Penn State than Chris Godwin? Um, yes, I would. And what about, but I would say he's probably above Godwin, but below Allen Robinson. Is that probably where that he lines up? Fair. It's so hard because they are so different. Like he is so different than Allen Robinson and um, Chris Godwin. I think, um, and neither of us have saw this guy play. I think he's a lot more comparable to Bobby Ingram and in that he was just such a smooth route runner and he just did everything so well where god where robinson especially but godwin too could just overpower you and you know be able to high point the ball um i would say he was he had a better career than chris godwin but i also don't know if he was better than chris godwin if that makes sense you know what i mean right godwin was so good at winning those 50 50 balls and dotson obviously wasn't bad either but I mean, it was like every single time Trace McSorley threw the ball up, Godwin was coming down with it some way, somehow. Strong hands and just, like you said, just rip the ball out. Uh, you know, he there, there were times where, especially like he only played with Trace for a year, where Trace would just throw up those YOLO balls. And he knew if we had Gesicki or Godwin there, they were going to bring him down. And um, those guys don't grow on trees. <laughs> No, they really don't. But although for Penn State, I mean, you could make the argument in the last couple of years, Penn State receivers have been maybe not better than like Ohio State or Alabama by any stretch. But I mean, they have been right up there. I mean, you, there's a lot of successful, you know, wide receivers slash tight ends now in the NFL. So um, they're doing their fair share. Let's let's move on from God or from Godwin from Dotson 
And let's talk Rasheed Walker at least briefly. Obviously, he was injured. Um, he claims, or at least from what I saw, was he is going to run at Penn State's Pro Day, which kind of begs the question on how severe his injury was. I was very surprised when I heard that he was going to actually run. You know, typically you don't run unless you know it's going to benefit you. So it seems like their pro day later on this month is going to uh, see Rasheed Walker run. And maybe he has a lot of money on the line, right? Maybe a good time here. He's start, you know, a good offensive tackle with a good time can really, really improve your draft stock and you can make a couple more million dollars. But Rasheed Walker, at least in my opinion, a guy who did a lot of good things, but I don't know if he ever really got to that level that we wanted to see for at least any Penn State offensive tackle for a very long time. We just haven't seen anyone dominate the way we wanted to, to see them dominate. Um, and I don't really know if Walker ever achieved that. I don't know if he was ever going to achieve more either, Sean. Yeah, he. I would describe him as underwhelming. Um, but he did have moments. Uh, I remember the Auburn game. It was third. I think it was at the goal line. It was like it was third and goal. And they handed the ball to Noah Kane, and he just plowed two guys over. And it got me real excited because it's like, oh, this is the guy now that we all thought we were going to get. And as the season went on, I mean, he, he it was sort of disappointing. And now it's tough to anchor a line that isn't any good. And that was unfortunately what they were last year. Um, but I think he definitely has the talent to do it. He just has to be able to put it together. And I think there's a chance he could. I mean, it's almost weird, but maybe not a lot of other Penn State offensive linemen have gone on to start, but a lot of them have gone on to have at least opportunities to play in the NFL. Even guys that I was like, wait, really? Like, he's going to get a shot? Like, I didn't expect him to get a shot at all. And yet, you know, some of these guys have been given pretty great opportunities to at least compete in camp and whatnot. So he's he's obviously, as you know, as a D1 starting offensive tackle with – a fair share of experience especially playing against big 10 defensive ends he's going to go somewhere and he's going to get a pretty good shot at starting at some point i just don't know i mean he's a guy that could easily become an all pro in the nfl if, if he, everything kind of goes his way and he's he's groomed in the right role um but he's also a guy that if he didn't do that i wouldn't be like oh well that's really surprising to me yeah he seems like a boomer bust type of guy um uh but I remember when I was in college, I never thought like Donovan Smith would be where he is. Um, right. And I think that's a guy who they're going to, who's going to be a comp for him in this draft. There's a lot of comparisons to Donovan Smith just because um, when Donovan Smith was at Penn State, he didn't have to really try that hard to start. He was the best offensive tackle and it wasn't even really close. And there was, you know, some rifting there between him and Franklin because he didn't really have to try that hard, and he knew he was going to play anyway. And I don't want to say that was the same with Walker, but it never felt like anybody was going to come up and take that spot from him. And I don't know if that played a role in him not improving much, but he also had some more you know, injuries and things that were nagging him a little bit more. So uh, who knows how much that played a role in it. That's true, and we don't know that uh, because James Franklin, it's, it's like the Pentagon with injuries, and I understand why, but it could bring some criticism to some players that isn't really fair because we don't always know what the injury situation is. Right. And I, I mean, we have had that conversation. Um, Audrey Snyder beats that drum all the time on the athletic about not giving up, you know, not giving injury news 
is not only detrimental to the players and, you know, like Sean Clifford comes out or a Tracy McSorley comes out and they're not 100%, but they're not saying anything about it. Now, we are we going to just assume that Sean Clifford now sucks all of a sudden? Like, why are we having to make those um, decisions or, or even for their own draft stock, right? Like, if you say a guy's 100% and he comes out and he lays an egg and a defensive end is whooping him every single time Rasheed Walker's out there, well, okay, well, what's really going on here? Because I don't believe he's, you know, that bad. And that's just something that has been, you know, the constant for James Franklin for a long time now. So I, that's obviously not changing anytime soon. Um, let's flip to the other side. Let's talk about Arnold Ebby probably the biggest surprise, the biggest sigh of relief for Penn State fans coming out of the transfer portal last year from Temple. Um, he put up 21 reps on the bench, which he's a little lanky. He's got some length, so I was impressed that that was the sixth most. But nowadays, defensive and edge rushers are just super long. And I don't know, maybe 21 reps nowadays isn't or is more impressive than it was five, seven years ago. I feel like 21 reps didn't used to be that crazy, but now defensive end rep in 21, you're the sixth best in your group. Yeah, that's um, kind of the way it's evolved. And that's just, I mean, do you see them doing their field drills and you're just like, these guys are all defensive end edge rushers? Like, how are any most of these guys going to stop the run? Which, when we get to him, I think that's why Jesse Lakeda has an opportunity to really make a splash in the NFL because he is a little bit bigger. Um, Arnold, or I should just call him AK, did not run the 40, so we don't know. I would assume he would ran would have ran really well. Um, that's just my hunch. We'll get to Luketa in a second. Yeah, I was too, and maybe again, maybe it's just something that he felt like he was going to hurt his chances. Maybe he just tweaked a, an ankle or something the day before. Who knows? But speed, if he would have ran, let's just say top, I don't know, top 10 in the 40 for the defensive end positions and he put up the sixth most bench i mean now with all the production he had last year and he had the 38 inch vertical by the way i i mean you're looking at a a guy who is maybe top 32 now he might sneak into the top 20 all of a sudden so he's a guy whose his stock could continue to rise especially at the pro day for penn state another guy who obviously was going to leave after one year um, made the right decision to, to come out. I think he's going to make a boatload of money. And I also, as far as like, if I had to like bet on one person, Sean, to really make a difference or to really make an impact. And like, this guy is going to be good in the NFL. AK is the guy for me that I feel really good about. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, you know, in, in today's day and age with everybody throwing the ball as much as they do, um, even bad quarterbacks throw the ball 30 times a day, 30, 30 times a game. Um, having a, 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 an elite edge rusher, and I don't know if AK could be a lead or not, but even having a good one, that's so valuable to have a guy who could put up seven, eight sacks at least a year. Um, so I think he could make a huge impact and I think you're right. He could be the most impactful guy in this whole draft class. Um, I still like Dotson a little better and Brisker, but we'll get, we'll, we'll get to Brisker. And, um, yeah, I'm excited to see what he could do at the next level. But I do hope he could get a little bigger. Yeah, I mean, size is going to be the one thing. But, I mean, uh, Jason Owe or um, Ndafe Owe now, I mean, he, he isn't crazy big. And he, he made a huge impact right away. And 
Um, Micah Parsons, by any stretch, isn't a huge guy, and we saw him fly around, especially when he just played the defensive end position. AK is fast enough where he could, you know, he can run around and he can and he can cause havoc for quarterbacks that even have a little bit of wiggle themselves. So I think he's gonna make somebody happy. I'm, I'm curious where he ends up because where he ends up could make a huge impact on how good he actually ends up being, especially if they don't. And he wasn't bad against the run, but he wasn't. He wasn't stout against the run. So if he can go to a place where they're not really asking him to be a three-down defensive end and just let him kind of go to work in the in the pass rush department, he could really make an impact. But if they're asking him to, you know, be a first, second down guy and then you know staying on the field in third and shorts, like, eh, that might not be his strong suit. So be curious to see where he ends up. Yeah, he's a third down guy at this point in his uh, early point point in his career. I'd like to see him in a three four as an as an edge linebacker. Actually, yeah, uh, I don't know how he'd be against pass because he got to be able to defend that, and he was never really asked to do that. Um, but if he's only going to be a third down rusher, uh, he won't really need to be dropped into coverage all that often. I would assume his athletic ability, he would be okay. Um, but that's a good transition to the next guy, Jesse Lucetta, who does have coverage experience, can play linebacker, can play defensive end, can play edge. He ran a four eight nine, which is slower for this group, obviously. But I think he makes up for that with a his production, and b his he's already shown his ability to play both defensive end and edge and linebacker. He's knowledgeable. He's played a lot of different positions, and. You're not taking a risk on a guy who might be able to play multiple positions. He's shown that he at least can at the college level. So Lucada is a guy who doesn't necessarily have the same speed, maybe not the exact same pass rush ability as AK, but is a little bit better against the ground uh, and and a little bit more, I guess, uh, transitional where he could potentially line up for a defense, which which is also valuable in the NFL. Yeah, I'm a big Jesse Lucetta guy. Um, he's got good leadership ability. He plays, he's a high motor, uh, good friends with Micah Parsons too. Um, and he just, he just gets after it. Uh, there's always that hustle there. And like you said, the 40 was a little slow. Um, but if, if you could find a niche, if you could find a niche for him, um, I think he's, I think he's a guy that could have a lot of success at the next level, uh, just based on his motor He's a decent athlete, and he's got that leadership those leadership qualities that a lot of teams look for. Yeah, he's a guy who, if he can find a good spot, a good home, and he gets a little bit of confidence, and he can he can start. And he said, I believe he interviewed with twenty four seven Sports, and he's like, I just want to be disruptive. I don't care where I line up, I'm gonna be disruptive. And that high motor gets tossed around a bunch, and I think it gets tossed around a little too much. But he is a guy that has a high motor. He's shown his ability to be a, a pretty decent against pass coverage. I don't love his lateral quickness as as you know as much as like a Micah Parsons, for example. But I mean that's a that's a tough comparison. But we we've seen him one hand catch interceptions and take him back to the house. So he's got some ball skills and he can obviously rush the passer okay and play well against the run. So I don't know when he's gonna go again. That forty time, if NFL teams look too far into that, that might hurt him. Uh, he also got a little tweaked on his second run. So we'll kind of see where he's at for his pro day. But again, both these guys, really solid vertical times, just shows the athleticism that both of them do possess. Yeah, I, I remember Luketta, too, at the 2019 against Michigan. 
he had a big pass breakup um, when they were driving down to try to tie the game. So he's, I think it was on third down or second, second or third down. So he's shown an ability to play the pass. So I, I, I big believer in him. I think he's, I think he's going to have success at the next level. Yeah, and, and I think the captain thing that you mentioned is an important part of that too. I mean, that makes a difference. Let's talk about a guy, at least for me, who was a, maybe not surprising that he has decided to go. I knew he was going to be invited to the combine because he's, he's a, just a, another athletic freak, and that is linebacker Brandon Smith. Really another guy that never really blossomed all the way. I think I've said that before on the podcast. Um, but a guy that really could still have a great NFL career the thing that worries me, and he ran a four five seven forty, by the way, which is the fourth fastest for linebackers. He didn't bench, which I wasn't surprised of, because I knew he wouldn't. He wasn't going to put up great numbers for a linebacker in the bench department. But thirty seven and a half for his vert, which is fourth best. One hundred and twenty eight inches for his broad jump. He's an athletic dude. I don't like him as a linebacker at the next level, Sean, just because I don't think he plays well in space. But if you can get him going downhill. He is a force to be reckoned with, and he obviously is can hit really hard. Maybe not great at wrapping up, but he can hit really hard. Yeah, he's another boomer bust guy. Um, he needs to become more disciplined. Or he, it's so funny. Like I could see him really blossoming and potentially becoming a Pro Bowler because he's got that athletic ability. He's not quite as athletic as Micah or uh, Odafe Owe. But he does have athletic ability, and he can move laterally really, really well um, and cover a lot of space quickly, and he's a big dude. Um, But in the NFL, you have to be able to tackle. If you cannot make an open field tackle, you're not going to be around very long in the league. Uh, you, You could be out quick, and if he could become more disciplined and not just try to take someone's head off every time he every time he makes a tackle he could be a really really good pro but a lot of that i think is going to be up to uh coaching and himself just seeing some of those plays when he had, he was one-on-one and on the outside and he just would completely whiff didn't even slow the dude down that's the what i think penn state fans are going to remember and probably honestly say it was it was one thing for it to happen his freshman year it's like okay well he's just you know he just needs to be you know, sculpted a little bit, needs to be refined a little bit. But then we kept seeing it over and over again. And you're just wondering, like, why Why is this so difficult for him? And I think his hips are a little tight. Um, I didn't really get to watch his on-field drills. I don't know if he participated in them or not. But that, to me, is the biggest thing. If he can loosen those hips up a little bit, loosey-goosey, and he can start, he can start you know, making plays in space, you're right. I mean, the sky is the limit for him. He reminds me of Owe because he has like a similar just lack of production that Owe had. And people, the Ravens took Owe like, hey, this guy's just an athletic beast. I don't think he's to that exact level that Owe was at as far as people are that excited for him. But I, someone's going to take a chance on him and that could make somebody extremely happy. I mean, he could be a fourth round, fifth round guy. Heck, even a you know sixth round guy. And be the steal of the draft. People are going to wonder why the heck didn't he go earlier. But there's just not a lot of production. And again, the NFL doesn't really care about your production. So he could go in the second round for all we know. But that is then saying that somebody knows that they can fix him 
and fix all of the wrongs that he currently possesses because there are things that need to be refined. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think Penn State fans have were kind of disappointed with him. And I think a lot of it has to do with it feels like he didn't get any better since his freshman year because he would just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over again. And at a certain point, like I know Brent Pry is telling him like what to do at a certain point, you got to just go do it. And in college, yeah, because he has such um, like like you said about produ- about production um, in college. He was such, he was so much more athletic than almost everybody on the field. He could get away with, um, you know, always looking to light people up. But you're just not going to be able to do that anymore. So it's going to be interesting to see how he transitions to the to the uh, next level. Yeah, I think he's a fun one to watch because who knows what's going to end up happening with him. Um, Tree Castro Fields, uh, while we were talking, ran his forty as a four four seven. Which I think is a fantastic. I mean, he's a long, lengthy corner. Under again, under four or five, I think you make money all day long if you're a corner or receiver. So under four or five of the four four seven, that's good for him. I don't know where he's gonna go because I think he's such a polarizing defensive back for Penn State fans who was really good early on. I felt like then had a year where he was a little bit of a liability. There was. I think Franklin said that he there was a lingering injury that he had for a lot of that season. And then I think this last year he actually was better than than, than people were giving him credit for. There's also a lot of communication issues in that previous year that I don't know you could all you know always put on him. But Castro Field's an interesting guy. Um, he was around Penn State for a long time, has all the measurables to be something in the NFL. And again, if that's all the NFL cares about, he could end up being a you know a, a third round guy. Yeah, I, I'm confused as to what I think about Terry Castro Fields because I agree with you. I think he was a better player than a lot of people give him credit for. He's another guy that we mentioned with Franklin and the injuries. I think he was injured quite a bit uh, in college. Uh, he missed. He he warmed up for the Outback Bowl this previous year, but he didn't play. So I don't know what that was about. Uh, he um he's big and he's fast. And when you're when you're a corner and you have that length and you could run, that's very, very valuable in the NFL. Um, another guy like that was um, Amani. Um, I don't want to butcher his name uh, over Warrior. I think that that was a decent job by me. Um, he that's uh, fantastic. Was, oh, thank you. <laughs> he had very good ball skills and Castro Fields really didn't have those ball skills, but he could do a decent job in coverage. Uh, like you said, when the safety play wasn't really up to snuff, he looked worse than he was. But this year, when he had two good safeties, he did a good job, I thought. Oh, okay, so I just this just happened three minutes ago. His unofficial was a four four seven, but his official time is a four three eight. Sean. Ooh. I mean, he just made him. He just made a million something dollars right there, probably. Yeah, he that could put him in the second round i mean, I mean that's, that's serious i mean, I mean there's, there's some guys, guys on here, here. I, mean, I mean ahmad gardner, gardner for cincinnati, cincinnati ran a 441 so, so i mean does he have the I mean, fastest time in one corners i wonder nope the uh, kalen barnes 423 wow and i think he played for baylor so 
So he's about third or fourth right now. Yeah, that that's a lot. That 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 like you said, he made a lot of money. He made a lot of money there uh, because he has that length as well. Uh, and, that's big time. Yeah, and decent film. Yeah, there there is good film out there. Now there's some bad film, but there's some good film. And I would say he was he would be probably considered an above average run stopper. Would you, would that be a fair assessment? I, I wouldn't say he's great. You know, he doesn't want to come up and, you know, hits everybody. Not not Drell Revis or anything like that. But he's above average. He'll get dirty. He'll read out, sniff out screens and whatnot. Yeah, he could tackle. He could tackle. Um, I feel like Penn State's one of those places, if you play corner, you have to be able to tackle a little bit. Uh, just the nature of being in the Big Ten. Um, yeah, he could do it. So... Yeah, he's he's an he's another interesting one to watch, and I'm curious to see what his career's what his uh, trajectory is going to be like. You know, with that speed, he could obviously play on the outside in the NFL, but he also I, I'd be curious to see. Maybe he's just too lengthy to play on the inside, but I'd be curious to see how he would do lining up on the inside um, in the NFL because if he does truly have that speed, I mean, I don't really like him going up against the number one wide receiver all the time in the NFL. But if he could line up in the slot more often than not, I think he actually could make a living there. So I, I'm curious to see what happens with him moving forward. And I agree with you. You got to you got to be able to tackle a little bit to be a Penn State corner, and and he's shown that, especially with how much zone that they play. All right. Well, let's talk about. I'm assuming one of your more favorite uh, players, and that's Shaquan Brisker. Probably a, probably the biggest household name on the defense this year. I mean, he was all over the field. Had a nagging shoulder injury, and he still played through it. Um, I mean, this guy came onto the scene, and he and he came onto the scene fast. And a lot of people are saying he's the second-best safety right now behind Notre Dame's Kyle Hamilton. They say if he runs really well today, he could be a first-round guy. I, again, I think there's a little bit of ambition with all these guys that potentially could be first-rounders. I think it, around March, everyone thinks there could be 40 first-round picks. And at the end of the day, there's only 32. So um, someone's going to go and someone's not going to go. If Right now, I'm curious. Would you take? Would you expect AK or Brisker to go first? Or Dotson? Uh, like- uh, ooh, that's tough. Uh, I got to I gotta see Brisker's pro day at his combine first with Dotson. I think they're going to be drafted around the same neighborhood, though. Okay, so you like both of them more than AK. I do. Um, you know, I... I I can't I I think they're safer. Like I don't see a whole lot of bust potential in Dotson and really Brisker even either. Um and I don't want to say I think AK's gonna be a bust. I don't. But his size does scare me being being an edge rusher. Uh Brisker could just do it all at safety. He could hit, he could cover. There's not really much of a weakness in his game. And I think if he tests well, I wouldn't wouldn't knock a feather out of me that he he could be a first round pick, especially being that, you know, if it wasn't for Kyle Hamilton being a once in five year safety prospect, he'd be the best safety in this class. It is kind of crazy when you think about that like that. His um, Brisker put up 22 reps on the bench, which is more than AK, and he's obviously a safety. And I thought that was impressive because I wasn't expecting AK when you think of AK's numbers for a defensive end I mean what I just say he was top five top four for the bench top six and so now 
you have Jaquan Brisker coming in, and he reps 22, which means he would have been in the top five for defensive end and edge rushers, which is kind of scary when you realize, like, okay, a safety just put up top five numbers for defensive end edge rushers. That's freaky. So he's got the he's got the strength. Um, his broad jump just came in at 124 inches, which is tied for fifth with Smoke Monday from Auburn uh, for the fifth best there. Kyle Hamilton Hamilton threw up 131, by the way, uh, for for his broad jump. So um, he's right there. I don't think he's hurting himself at all so far today. Uh, if we get the 40 time before the podcast is over, I'll definitely throw that out there for everybody. I think if he runs a sub 4-5-40, I think he could be a first-rounder. And apparently he runs a 4-3-3 is what I believe uh, Coach Galt said. I don't know when that was from, but at some point they were saying Brisker runs in a 4-3. So let's just assume that's a point one faster than he really runs, and he runs a point four three. If he runs a 4-3, I mean, he's he's probably a first-rounder. I mean, I don't think he'll go before Hamilton, but I think he's he's probably a first. He might be the first Penn State if he runs a 4-3, or 4-4, four, four, excuse me. Yeah, I mean the thing with Penn Penn State times, they always tend to be quicker or faster than the uh, that than the combine. So we have to keep that in mind too. Uh, but yeah, if he can run in the four threes or like you said, even the four fours, I think he's got an excellent chance to be a first round pick. Yeah, yeah, if it stays below that four or five for sure. If he's if he has a bad run, now I'm thinking second round. I, it'd be hard for me to see him go later than the second round. I just think there's too much there from not just the intangibles, but also the strength and the speed. He's played at the, the highest level now, and he's played well. Um, he's had big key moments. Um, he's not afraid to come up and hit. He's not afraid to play coverage. He's not afraid to play man coverage as a safety, which I think is an important part of the NFL today. I'm a big, I'm a big Brisker fan. Um, I will have to look up some stats because I haven't seen anything as of yet. Uh, but Jordan Stout, also there. Punter, kicker, probably not going to be a kicker in the NFL. Would you probably agree with that, Sean? Uh, definitely not a place kicker. <laughs> yes. He missed a couple. Yeah, yeah, a few. <laughs> but he's going to be a fantastic punter, though. <laughs> yeah, I'm going to look up, see if we've got anything. He ran a 4.740 just about an hour ago. So, um and so, yeah, I mean, that, that's pretty good for a punter. I don't know how much they really care about that. Um, I'm assuming they don't care about that very much at all. Um, from the as much as from, from as much punt research as I could do, uh, they're saying that Jordan Stout approximately has five more seconds um, of hang time than that Matt. Arazia, the guy from, yes, can never say his name. And then that guy's good. He won the he won the um, the the Groza and I think he won the Ray Guy Award, and so I or at least the Ray Guy Award because he he did have some good punts. Although Stout had better numbers, but that's besides the point. Um, So those are the first two guys. I don't see them getting drafted. I don't. I don't know. You never know these things. Usually a um, punter or two every year. I think yeah. Billiken got drafted. No, I, I think he was picked up by the Saints right after the fact, I think. I could be. I think. Yeah, maybe I'm thinking of Tommy Stevens getting drafted by the Saints. Tommy Stevens did get – I think he got drafted late by the Saints. Saints yeah, I think. I think he did. Okay. 
And then uh, he bounced around. And oh, speaking of Tommy Stevens, there's a whole episode interviewed him uh, not too long ago. So if you haven't listened to that yet, go listen to that. Um, he bounced around to the Titans a little bit. Now he's signed with Calgary in the CFL. So he'll be playing football there. Um, but yeah, so he's still kind of doing his thing. Um, that's all I've seen so far from Jordan Stout. It was his four seven forty time, which, again, I don't really know why they would run a forty, and I don't really know why as a punter you would run a forty, but they did. So, I think he's gonna be if he let's just say he goes to a place where he can kick in indoors. That's gonna they're, be deadly. I mean, they're never gonna they're never gonna get an, a a a kick return ever. Just never gonna happen. Yeah, but he it like you said, it's impossible. He kicked up here, and you never know what the weather's going to be like on a given day. And he still boomed almost everything out of the end zone. Right. Can you imagine if he went to like Denver? I mean, you'd potential for a 60, 70 yard field goal. I mean, that, it's one thing to have a good leg. Like, Gillikin had a good leg. I mean, Stout has. I don't want to. This might sound outrageous, but you could make the equivalent that he is the a once in a generational leg. For Penn State kicking, like he's he's not to like the Saquon level of running back for the kicking, but it's it's relatively close on how good his leg is. I mean, just you can't teach it. Just has a freaking cannon for a foot. Yeah, I mean, I've been watching for twenty years. He's got the best leg I've ever seen there. Right. I mean, and again, Gillikin, fantastic, especially with his direction. Probably give Gillikin, you know, the edge there. But as far as just kicking the piss out of the ball. I don't know if anyone can do it better than Jordan Stout. I mean, it didn't matter time, temperature, air pressure, where on the field it was. He was drilling the ball. I think he maybe only had like one or two shanks either, which I don't know how much consistency is a big thing for the NFL. I'm assuming they don't want to see you miss a bunch. I can only remember one or two times where he really had a shankopotamus. Yeah, there weren't there weren't a ton of shanks in his game. Uh, the, the worst part would be if he kicked the ball too far. And even then, he could place the ball pretty well, like punt, punting, punt, punting wise. Yeah, I think he, as far as if I had, a, and this is maybe a, a weird way to put it, but if I had to bet on one guy to be in the NFL the longest, I think I'd say Jordan Stout. That could be a good bet because <laughs> they also don't they also don't get hit very much, so they tend to stick around a while. <laughs> and he's athletic, and he's got himself a four seven forty for Jordan Stout. So yeah, I think you know some people might have better careers than him, but as far as a guy that could hang out for a generation, Jordan Stout, very very um, likely he's around for a while. So um, yeah, I could buy it. Okay, okay well let's, let's if, if I get, get the brisker, brisker forty, 40 time, time, I will. Hi everybody, thanks for listening. This is just a little break in the actual live podcast to let you know that Juan Brisker came in officially at a 44940. 44940 for Jaquan Brisker. Thanks. Have a good day. Let's talk recruiting, Sean. And Sean, I feel like you know recruiting probably a little bit more than I do. And we probably missed the boat a little bit as far as some recruiting stuff, but um signing day happened and, and Penn State managed the sixth best class. The people thought they might fall back a little bit towards the end, but they managed to secure some late uh, pickups. Got a got a big transfer as well. Um, number six class for 2022. Number uh, the 2023 class is off to a fantastic start. The, the fifth best class right now. Things are looking positive in the recruiting, and even after coming off of, you know, everyone talks about the 500 record the last two seasons. 
the recruits don't seem to care right now, Sean. No, not at all. Um, there have been some recruits, again, not to bring up the dreaded Illinois game again. I think Josh Miller, his visit was there, and I think he committed right after the game. So that means that must mean these these guys love Penn State. I I want to say, I think he I want to say he he actually committed when he got on the field before the game, like he shook Franklin's hand or something. And I so, but you know what? It doesn't really matter because he didn't decommit right after the game. Yeah, it didn't it didn't make him back out. Right. So it, 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 the point still stands. <laughs> yeah, um, the, the, we've it probably, especially the offensive line recruiting, it probably saved Phil Troutwine's job um, because the, the offensive line was, um, you know, underperformed so much. But you look at the recruits that he's been bringing in, and in a lot of ways, college football, it's about the Jimmies and Joes. I know we'll have people listen to this podcast and they'll say, oh, it's not about the stars or anything like that. Well, it is. Uh, look at the best recruiting classes. Look at the team. Look at the programs that get the best recruiting classes every year. They're going to typically all be the teams right at the top every year, either going to the playoffs every year or being in a New Year's Six, or being in New Year's Six Bowl every year. Um, and in a lot of ways, college football is about the Jimmys and Joes and not the X's and O's. Yeah, and I mean that's just that's just how it is. And Penn State's done well. I don't they haven't done well enough to be consistently in that playoff conversation. I think everyone kind of agrees to that. But they've also never recruited this well along the offensive line. I mean, you're talking about the number one interior offensive line, which. Berkmeyer is fantastic. He's a five-star guy. It's a big pickup. I love that. But I'm even more excited for Javen Williams because he's an offensive tackle, and they really haven't got that many great offensive tackles. And I think he got his five-star from uh, One Sports now in their directory. So he is the top 150 player. He's top five, top ten offensive tackle in the country. That is the stuff I'm actually more excited about because – we haven't really seen them have fantastic offensive tackle play. Um, and you're bringing in two guys now, um, but also two other guys already in this class. So you have four guys, two of which for tackle positions, two of which for guard um, or center. you got to be feeling really good right now. And, and maybe it did save Trotwine's job, but it just goes to show that like, they have gone through offensive line coaches left and right, and it's just like, I'm okay with them keeping Trotwine because I just need to see some sort of consistency. If if Berkmeyer comes here and he doesn't get that much better, okay, then I then I don't know what to do at that point. I'm lost for words. But I, I think consistency is almost better than just flip. It's not like it's a receiver's coach or a running back's coach um, where you could maybe get a new guy to come in, go acquire better talent immediately, and he's better at I think this is something that it takes multiple years to really transition an offensive line program, and Troutwine hasn't had that yet. Yeah, and we got to hope um, because, you know, it, it's obviously got to be better than last year. I think another year like, like this past year, though, it's going to be hard to justify to the fans to keep him. Uh, but like you said, we haven't had the consistency there. Uh uh, at at the coaching in the coaching spots, and it's really hard to find a good offensive line coach. In the NFL, it is, and in college, it is. That's why 
you see in the NFL so many times, uh, like the Philadelphia Eagles, their offensive line coach has been there since Chip Kelly was the coach. So when you have one of those guys, you pay them to keep them because they're, they're those elite coaches are tough to get. It's like you said, it's not like getting uh, a receivers coach where there's a bunch of them. Uh, it's hard to find a good offensive line coach, especially in today's day and age when you have people like Michael Parsons coming after your quarterback. This was a question by Paul Bowman, um, and basically saying, "Are you buying or selling the offensive line moving forward?" And you know, you know, you got the transfer coming in. You've got two sophomore guys that, that played a lot in the Outback Bowl. Um, there's some promise there now with this next class coming in in the future. I would say I'm buying for the future. I don't know if I'm necessarily buying for 2023. What are your thoughts? Uh, could I hold? <laughs> no. Okay. You got to buy yourself. Um, you know, I understand what you're saying, but right now I'm going to sell. Uh, and the reason is in the James Franklin era, we haven't had a good offensive line. And I do see the talent coming in, but I'm very much in you got in a um, you got to prove it to me type mentality right now. Uh, it doesn't mean these guys can't be good. I think there's a lot of talent, but I got to see them uh, get developed under uh, James Franklin. And I know James, I know Franklin's not like the reason the offensive line isn't hasn't uh, uh been up to standard uh but it's happened on his watch so it's got to get better it does it really does have to and should add that in the 2024 class they've already added a four-star offensive tackle cooper cousins from erie pennsylvania so they they're they're adding guys left and right um it's just going to be a matter can the you know the pieces actually complete the puzzle and we'll have to see one other guy i want to mention four-star defensive and edge rusher neo avery uh edge rusher guy from maryland I think Georgia was pretty high on his list, so that's a big, big get for this 2023 class. The 2023 class has a lot of promise, Sean. I mean, there are some guys out there that if they get, and then there's maybe one or two reaches, that if they would just get 50% of those reaches, I mean, you're looking at a top 10 class with potential, again, to be a top six, top five looking class if they can get a couple, get a couple lucky and a couple pieces. Yeah, there's a ton of promise. Uh, I think Caden Proctor, he's from out in, out in Iowa. He's the number one, I believe, offensive tackle in the country, and he's going to be visiting this spring. Uh, so, you know, like you said, that could be a reach. But there are also a lot of guys on the board still that I think we have an excellent shot at getting, and we will get. Uh, so I think you'd be crazy not to be excited about these two uh, recruiting classes they're trying to string together in a row. Yeah, and I mean, I think it correlates directly to being able to be in person again. I mean, I don't know what Franklin does. Maybe there's some under the under the table stuff. Who knows? But Franklin connects with parents. He connects with players, and there's just no other way to say it. I mean, you can offer money to all these guys. Every coach can do that probably nowadays. But that isn't necessarily anything different than someone else is going to be able to do. And Franklin's able to build relationships with people. The coaches. Um, the parents and the players and the players is you know siblings even so he he does things the right way, um, and I don't necessarily mean morally the right way, but he does things the right way to get results when he gets to be in person. There's just no other way around that. Um, that hiccup in recruiting hurt them um, in, in 2020, and and you could probably even throw 20 uh, a little bit of 2019 in there as well. Um, 
But now it just seems like they're back on it and they're firing at all cylinders again. And it's hard to see that the play in 2020 and 2021 directly related to the recruiting struggles. But now it's like in a year or so, they should be right back to where they were maybe in the late of 2017. They should be. Um, yeah, I, I think, like you said, James Franklin's a very relationship-driven person. Um, that's kind of that's kind of his thing, is being able to establish relationships with people. And Penn State's not a place like Ohio State, where it's in a big metropolitan area. Like, it, you know this, it's in the middle of Pennsylvania. It's two hours away from everything, really. And you have to go there. And when you're there, like you said, I don't know what happens, but when you visit there, it's like, I, I heard, uh, I think uh, Brian Doan say that Penn State and Clemson are the two places that if you go there, that if you could get a recruit there, you have a good chance of getting him. And it's because of that relationship, family-like atmosphere. And th- that's real, I think. Because everybody says the same thing that Penn State's like a family, and they treat you like you're part of the family, even as an un, uh, as an uncommitted recruit. Yeah, and I, I don't know. I mean, there's you know, there's no other way to put it. That's right. You get them on campus, they seem to have a good a good opportunity uh, to commit. And let's talk about one of those guys that committed and obviously is now on campus, and that's Drew Aller, coming into the quarterback room. Christian Bayou and Sean Clifford there as well, and. And I should throw in uh, Bo Tribula is there as well now. Um, Sean, the question that everyone's going to want to know heading into the spring, especially when the blue and white game, is there any sort of scenario where Sean Clifford isn't the starter when we start things up in the fall? I think it's I, – I, I think there – I don't think there's much of a chance that anybody outside of Sean Clifford is going to start, at least to start the year. Um. But you never know. I just want there to be a fair competition. I'm not I'm not as anti Sean Clifford as a lot of the fans are. Um, I think he's shown he could win. He's shown, you know, it, it's been a roller coaster his career, but he's shown he can win 11 games and he won 11 games and he wasn't the, he wasn't as good as he is now. And he didn't have um, as good of a play caller as he does now. And he still won 11 games. So if you could do if you could do that and if you could do that when he wasn't as good as he once was, then I think, you know, he, he's got the potential to do it. Now, do I think you could win a national championship with Sean Clifford? I don't. Uh, but we don't know how good Drew Aller or Bo, Bo Pabula are or, frankly, Christian Bayou. I know we saw him one game last year, but. I think to start the year, uh, it's probably going to be Clifford, but that could change as the year goes, depending on which way it's going. Do you have any more confidence that Sean Clifford could win a national championship after seeing Stenson Bennett do it for Georgia? No, and the reason I say that is Georgia has five-star guys everywhere. Penn State has a few of them, but it's not like it's not like Georgia. If he played in a place like Georgia, maybe, but. At Penn State, I just don't think it could happen. Yeah, no, I I agree. I'm just curious because they carried that man. They carried him all the way. Um, <laughs> they did. And I, yeah, Sean Clifford might be better than Stetson Bennett too. Right. But you know, he's in a better situation. I mean, when Sean Clifford is on his game, 
I think he could. But it's that inconsistency. And I guess you could say the same thing going all the way back to Hackenberg. But when he's on his game, I mean, the way, even if you got the game he gave us in the Auburn game, I think that's enough to win a national championship. Hold on to the football, make about five big, huge throws a game, show the ability to run to keep them honest, and basically let the defense win you most games, but you're still, I mean, they still scored a bunch of points. Right. I, I think that would be enough. And if you think you can get that from Sean Clifford, if you can get first half Iowa Sean Clifford, I don't think there's any situation where you could let Drew Aller start. Especially knowing you could get um, maybe something better in return from Drew Aller if he didn't play for one year. Yeah, I think it would be premature to start Drew Aller to start the year. And I don't want him to start just to start. Just because, oh, this is our guy for the next three years. No, let it be a fair competition. And whoever's the best quarterback plays. I don't think we got to overthink this very much. At least not to start the season. Yeah, but I'm worried the over, not overthinking uh, position change or a depth chart spot seems to not necessarily be the strongest suit for um, this coaching staff. I mean, there's been opportunities where there's obvious ones. Like you go, I always bring up this one, but the Micah Parsons and Koa Farmer one is one for me that just it hurts. I mean, I think there's some that get oversimplified and say, oh, look, there's other examples of that, and and maybe, but. That one was one that I don't think that's very defensible in any unless there was obvious like Micah Parsons was technically just dis, being disciplined and that's why he wasn't allowed to start every like I don't I don't know why you would do that that way but that was just one of the few ones I was like that doesn't make any sense and if if, if they do mess this up Sean it could it could very well define Franklin's career and I I texted you this last night or I guess this morning I texted you but I, I really think that. The quarterback room, we could see better results from the quarterback room in two years with or without Drew Aller than we will this year just because of where the offensive line is now and where it could be in two years. Yeah, that definitely could be the case. Uh, and that that's another reason why I wouldn't be crazy about Drew Aller starting right now is I don't know how good the offensive line is going to be. Uh, if you just put him behind an offensive line where he's run for his life the whole time, I don't think that's a very good position to put an 18-year-old freshman in. Uh, it could it could really uh, ruin you as a quarterback. Because I know, like, the example everybody uses is uh, Trevor Lawrence went in over Kelly Bryant. But Trevor Lawrence is the best quarterback prospect since Andrew Locke. And he didn't have an offensive line like Penn State had last year. And I don't know. I, I'm hoping the offensive line is going to be better this year. I think it will be. Um, but you don't want to put your true freshman quarterback in a tough situation, especially when you have a six-year starter there who's won some games before. Right, and also running game. You don't have a running game, and maybe that hasn't been brought up. Maybe that should be brought up every podcast because they don't have a running game, and maybe Singleton comes in and is, is amazing, but I just don't know if that's obviously the answer, so... They, if you don't have a running game, I don't see any reason to have Drew Aller in there because it's just it's just not going to happen. I mean, you're not going to. I think Sean Clifford at least has more experience running around for his life and trying to make something happen. Um, I agree, and, and he has that rapport with the receivers too, mm -hmm. uh, and the tight ends that 
you're just not going to have with the freshmen uh, that quick that that quickly. Yeah, and the only thing I would add to that is I still don't think Sean Clifford finishes the season. I don't think he gets benched. I just don't think he can stay healthy for the whole season. I mean, we haven't really seen that from him. And at this point, maybe the offensive line is a little bit better. Maybe they do find a running game. But it sounds so awful to say, but, I mean, if you were a betting person right now, I don't know if it's going to be necessarily Drew Aller or Christian Veyu, but I don't think Sean Clifford finishes the season. I would be very surprised, and let's just assume that a playoff or an important bowl game is on the table. I would bet right now Sean Clifford does not play in Penn State's bowl game, or if you think for some reason they're going to get to the playoff, playoff. I either think he gets hurt and they still do well, or he gets hurt and they don't do well, or they're in a meaningless bowl game he doesn't play. But I just I don't think he plays in a bowl game, for example, in a year from now. Yeah, he's gotten injured in every single season that he's played in so far. Um, right, 2020, he might not have gotten hurt. He just he got benched for Levis. Uh, but in 2019, he got hurt. Uh, last year, he got hurt. So, yeah, he might be one of those guys that, you know, could be injury prone. And again, not all his fault. He's running for his life in most of the Big Ten games that they play in. But I don't I also don't have that much optimism that he could stay healthy for a year but but i hope i obviously hope that he can and i hope he balls out this year because i think that's the ideal that's the ideal scenario for penn state is sean clifford balls out and drew aller is able to learn from a six-year senior yeah that'd be nice wouldn't it and in a perfect world i i I think it so much depends on having a running game because you could see things i mean sean clifford and any quarterback, really, for that matter. But if he has any ability to work play action in, I mean, you're basically asking Sean Clifford to snap the ball when everybody on the field, defensive ends all the way to the linebackers and defensive backs, all know that a pass is coming. I mean, that's not easy to throw against all the time. And it doesn't help the offensive line either when they know the defensive line knows that a pass is coming. So there are a lot of things that can be uh, help out Sean Clifford and make him look a lot better. Maybe not a national championship quarterback, but at least potentially a Big Ten quarter champion quarterback if he just gets a little bit help elsewhere. Yeah, and the running game is important to mention, uh, like you did. Like we didn't have a running back run for over 100 yards in a game last year. Like that, that's unbelievable. And I don't know how much that has to do with the running backs uh, or the offensive line. Um, I think it's a combination of both, obviously, but the, the, um, you know, a lot of the pass protection issues get brought up a lot with the offensive line, but the running, not being able to run block was a bigger issue last year. I agree. And I think that's, uh, I think that's just the best way to leave it right now. I think going into the spring, we can have those conversations later, but I think going into the spring, I don't even think you let Sean Clifford just for the sake of keeping the people happy. I don't think he'll even let Sean Clifford throw in the blue and white game. Just, no, he doesn't need to play in the blue and white game. <laughs> just don't even let him go out there because if there's any sort of comparison of stats between Drew Aller and Sean Clifford, and God forbid Aller wins those, I mean, it just it's it's not good. So I I don't know what you have. How do you have that conversation in the transfer portal era where you keep a Veyu happy and you keep an Aller happy and you keep a Clifford happy? That's that's a tough job for Sean or for uh, James Franklin to do. And that's up to him and Mike Yersich to figure out, and not us. 
but it's not an easy one. But they've got to find a way to do it because if you can hold on to Veyu going into the fall and you still have Aller and Clifford, I mean, that all of a sudden goes from a year ago where Tacon Roberson was obviously not ready to play. And now you're going in with you, or you actually feel relatively decent with three options. That's that's a big turnaround. And credit Penn State for a lot of things. Like they came out of the season obviously needing to address the offensive line, and they have done so out pretty much as rapidly and as quickly as you could ask them to do. And now they're going to be heading into 2022 with a much more at least developed and experienced and higher potential, higher ceiling. Uh, quarterback room as well backup quarterback goes like the second team backup quarterback yeah that should not be hand just handed to drew Aller. if christian bay is a better quarterback than him then he should be the then he should be the second team quarterback uh same thing with bo perbula with bo perbula like whoever the second best quarterback is that should be the backup quarterback yeah i'm excited to see what bo can do because he's been doing really well in the winter workouts and he's a, he's a guy that's not going to back down from the challenge and to improve. And I, I'm excited to see what he – I don't know. I hope he gets a chance somewhere. It, it, we want, obviously, Drew Aller to be fantastic and great. But if for whatever reason he Bo Perbula gets a chance, I think he will show that he he does deserve a spot on this roster. And, and he, he was good for a reason. He could have probably gone to a lot of other places, maybe even in the Big Ten and eventually started – very obviously, he could have gone to a temple or something like that and played right away. So he, he's not bad. And I, given the opportunity, I think he would have a, a pretty good opportunity to, to do well at Penn State. Yeah, he had a very good offer list. Um, or, or a pretty good offer list. Not quite as good as uh, Allers, but there were quite a few teams after him. So, And uh, Vegu has a Clemson offer. So I'm... Um, Interested to see who wins in that, uh, who wins the uh, backup quarterback competition, and the starting quarterback competition, obviously, right. and and the starting one. <laughs> That's well. important too. <laughs> I did want to throw out um, NFL Film Study um, throughout their potential mock draft, and they had Kyle Hamilton going top four overall. So basically, after the top five picks, Jaquan Brisker is probably the best looking safety option out there um, for the majority of the first round. So it's not that hard to see him, you know, sneak into that first round um, if possible. And again, we, we mentioned Ahmad Gardner, the, the corner from Cincinnati who, who Tariq Castrofields had a better official 40 time. And they have Gardner going 15th to the Eagles right now. Um, and, and this is just one of those random, you know, mock drafts, but just to give you an idea of kind of where people are starting to fall. But now we're seeing with their 40 numbers, um, I'll be curious to see. He doesn't have AK or Dotson um, in that list. Um, he did have Brisker going 30th overall to Kansas City, and I'm assuming with these numbers, I, if we said before, if he runs that four or five or less, I think top top you know 25 to 32 is somewhere you could easily see Brisker fall. Yeah, me too. Man, the Chiefs would be a great spot for him to uh, team up with the Honey Badger. And they needed yeah. safety help this year. I think he's already a better uh, safety and than uh, Sorensen. Sorensen, yeah, I right. think he might already be better than him. So that would be a great spot for him. Yeah, and Pense just tweeted out Tariq's Castrofield's uh, official time as well. So I'd just like to officially say that we beat Penn State football to the official four three eight time for Castrofield. So suck it. 
Um, <laughs> Making history here. Yeah, well, we actually made history today. So, Sean, your first podcast kind of in the books. I think we hit everyone's questions. We didn't have, like, an actual mailbag-specific question uh, part, but we kind of actually talked about what everybody wanted to ask today. So uh, we kind of got those questions in. Um, one question that wasn't brought up, Sean, I believe Skyler wanted to know any transitions from the two, uh, from the defensive line to the linebacker to help out with depth. Um, I haven't necessarily heard that, but I think there's some guys um, that you haven't really heard of that could eventually perhaps finally make a splash if they're actually healthy. I don't really know if there's that much depth at defensive line where they could really afford to lose defensive lineman to linebacker. Obviously, Sutherland coming from safety to linebacker should help. Um, defensive end, they have some wiggle room there. I, I saw uh, uh, defensive tackle Beeman might be moving to the defensive end, um, but but I just don't see a defensive end. You don't have a Lucada type where I would be like, oh, yeah, you could easily move them out to linebacker and, and feel good about it. Yeah, not not really. Um, yeah. I, I like the defensive end spot. I think there's a lot of potential there, but potential is a key word. Uh, I think Smith Vilbert had three sacks in the Outback Bowl, and we get a D size back this year. Uh, but there's no one I would really trust to move to linebacker. Like, first off, I don't know if any of them could play linebacker. Uh, and then, like you said, you're losing a spot at defensive end then. Um, I think we're, I think at linebacker, we're going to be very reliant on the freshmen. Uh, redshirt freshman, uh, Eldson, I think that's how you say his name, and uh, Kobe King. Uh, and then they're moving Sutherland from safety to linebacker, so we'll see how that goes. Yeah, I am very curious about that too because I just don't know. I, I want it to go well for Sutherland's sake because he deserves to have that, that maybe even we could call it a, like the Jesse Lucada-like season to finish things off. Um, I just don't know how that's going to go. I know he likes to snick his, stick his nose into the run game. I just don't know. Um, if he's going to be comfortable reading his keys properly as a linebacker, you know, in the run game. So we'll see. We'll see what happens there. Yeah. Yeah. We got to keep our fingers crossed because he's probably the starting one of our starting linebackers to start the year. So fingers crossed. Yeah. And that's just another example of, you know, you lose Brandon Smith, which maybe not, maybe you expected it, but it still hurts nonetheless. Um, no, no Brooks either. So, um, you're going to have to, you're going to have to have some people step up from the linebacker position. The good news is they do have guys there that at least on paper should fill the void. Maybe not as well. I mean, it's hard to replace an Ellis Brooks. Um, but I think you would feel maybe not athletically, but you would feel decent about finding at least somebody to fill the Brandon Smith void. Yeah. I think you're going to see a lot of four two five this year too. Uh, cause Hardy was so good for us last year. Um, and we just don't have that many linebackers. So I think you're going to see a lot of four two five looks this season. Yeah, I mean, any way you can keep your most athletic, basically your 11th person, if that your 11th best player is a linebacker, then, you know, play a little bit more of a traditional 4-3. But if your 11th best player is a corner or a safety, find a way to play a little bit more of a four two five hybrid kind of look because – you have safeties that you feel really good about. You have corners that you feel pretty good about as well that you can trust them a little bit. Um, and you kind of do that kind of stuff. You can be a little bit more 
technical and tactical with how you attack an offense. So you can bring outside pressure. You can disguise blitzes and, and drop different people into zones more than you, you know you could from a traditional 4-3. You don't also play at Wisconsin either to open the season where you have to be able to just stop the run, which, which helps, I think, as well. Yeah, we're playing a spread offense uh, to start the year. So I think going to a 4-2-5, well, even if we don't play that, play that exclusively, but being comfortable playing that, uh, I think that's only beneficial to us. I agree. Well, Sean, well, Sean we, we will uh, call, call this one a wrap. Uh, fantastic, fantastic conversation today. Make sure that you follow Sean on Twitter at CitizenKane95. Um, fantastic first episode in the books. Again, Sean is here not just to help uh, hardcore Penn State football, but also keep me on track so hopefully we will be back and recording sooner than later until next time this is Corey Lestoki uh, for Sean Kane this is Hardcore Penn State Football catch you later